Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, my name's Steve Mascord. It's White Line Fever Live. And um, what a great result uh, this morning in the NRL for Canberra. If you follow Canberra, 24-20 at uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground um, over, over the uh, Premiers. Grand final rematch. What a, what a game. But um, the, the other big news that happened just in the second half, just as the second half uh, kicked off, is that... Um, we got news from Super League that um, uh, the, the fixtures uh, for, from September onwards, and we know that Super League's back, or is it? Because we've been reading stuff this week about the Wolfpack. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so basically Super League have finally um, uh, confirmed some fixtures, and uh, this is just a coincidence. We knew it was going to come sometime today, but didn't know it would be in time for the broadcast. From Sky, Brian Carney. How are you, Brian? I'm very well, thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Now, I thought my beard was, uh, well, unkempt. Yours is not unkempt, but it's far more spectacular. How long have you been growing that? Uh, I think it very, I think approximately 50 days ago. I shaved when we did the watch-along. We looked back at that 2006 Great Britain and Ireland win over Australia and Sydney. And I thought I'd better shave for that. So I shaved for that, and uh, I, I haven't had the razor on it since. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Christmas now, Steve, because I know how hard it is to get a Santa Claus around Christmas time. And we're broadcasting games up until November. I might see if Sky will allow me keep this, and I'll uh, I'll have a nice earner in December. <laughs> now, um, you might now. I don't know how the sound is for the people watching on Facebook. Um, so uh, please try to speak up a little bit, Brian. But um. But don't be concerned. Uh, you can listen to it back, and uh, the sound will be fixed if you if you if you get the podcast. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Whiteline Fever. Now, Brian, I read the press release um, today, and what I got out of it is that you know th- these games are on August two. They're going to be at Headingley, and then there's going to be other games at the Totally Wicked Stadium. They're both going to be um, uh, uh, triple headers, but and then there's a list of fixtures only with no. Um, venues uh, from September onwards. What's happening in between? What's happening for the rest of August? I, I didn't. That wasn't clear to me reading the press release. All right. Well, m- my understanding is this, Steve: that we, we go back on the twenty second or the second of August, I should say, with a triple header. Then that's Hull KR Toronto, St Helens Catalan, and Leeds Huddersfield. I think I've got that right for the first three games, and they're playing catch up then for for that week. Uh, the round proper will start after that. We'll do back-to-back triple headers um, at Leeds for the first three weeks, I think, and then the Totally Wicked Stadium for the next three weeks. Uh, the gap that you, you think the gap appears where? I think there's we're going to be broadcasting 21 games in 29 days during August. Um, so we're doing every game from every round uh, for the month of August. Uh, so it's a, it's a it's a pretty full schedule from our perspective. Uh, you, your question was though, you see this? Again. Well, I just I did, like do we go back to home and away after August? Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Uh, can you still hear me? I can hear you fine. I can hear you. Yeah. Are you there? I can hear you. Okay. Fine. Okay. Well, just bear with me, Steve, and I'll. Uh, I don't want to uh, I'll give you a scoop here if I'm, <laughs> if I'm <looking laughs> here. Uh, I've got the I mean I can read the I'll well, tell you what I'll do while you're looking 
While you're looking at that, I will read the press release, okay? Bedford Super League is delighted to release the fixture schedule ahead of the 2020 season resumption, which will see 21 live games on Sky Sports from August 2. It includes triple headers played over two days um, at Emerald Headingley Stadium and the Totally Wicket Stadium, which ensures greater control over the safety and well-being of our players, staff and match officials. Given the exceptional and demanding financial climate, the opportunity to play in front of home crowds has been front of mind in our fixture scheduling. As a result, from round 14, the schedule gets busier across the final two months of the 2020 season. The significance of home games to clubs and fans also means that dates and venues in the back end of the campaign will be reviewed as the season progresses in line with government advice and in discussion with our host broadcasters, uh, Sky Sports. The playoffs comprising four teams are scheduled for mid to late November, uh, while the grand final will take place at the end of November. Testing is now fully up and running and all Super League clubs will be back in training by the end of next week. There are two significant well-documented changes that teams will be preparing for. The six again rule will be brought into Super League and the matches will be played without scrums um, and uh, and the game um, being restarted with attack. So my question to you, Brian, is do you have basically four weeks of of these d- triple headers uh, before we get to round 14 and then it kicks into these fixtures that have been announced today? And Brian, uh, we just lost Brian. I hope he's uh, back. We lost him. I don't know. We had... Problems last week as well, but here he is. Here he is. Hello again, Brian. Hello again, Steve. Apologies. I don't, I don't know if that was me or not. Um, so you read out the press release. Yeah, and my question is that these double headers are they on? These double headers are they on every week of August, and at the same two venues, and then and then the then the venues after that are being reviewed. Is that is that what's happening? Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Yeah, as it's changing, Stephen, as as, uh, as government guidance guidance struck rules are changing, I think they're giving themselves the opportunity to to assess it. You know, middle to end of August and decide then do they continue using Headingley and the Totally Wicked Stadium throughout September, or can they go to individual uh, home venues? And, and I think they'll 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 schedule the, the broadcasts. Um, according to that so if things don't change or if god forbid we get a second wave um, and we're able to continue in a second wave it would be in a i would say a more biosecure uh, venue maybe like headingley and what do you uh, think of you know the way um the game has handled this period uh, obviously the football soccer has been back uh, for quite a while now um rugby league has different challenges um do you think they've done as, as well as could be expected, or um, you know what, what? What are your thoughts? I, I think there's probably two parts in, in my answer, Stephen. It's, it's, one is how have they managed the day-to-day business of of, of the situation that they, they have game, as a game have found themselves in, and that we as humans have found ourselves in. So that that's one part of it. The second part, which is is maybe not something you intended to touch on, is whether or not they had used the disruption of this this period to, to reset, to reevaluate where they're at, uh, where they need to go. And that's perhaps an argument or discussion for a different day, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not certain things need to be reset in the competition, uh, salary caps long term, uh, the management of, of the game. Um, budgets of all the clubs whether or not there's going to be a you know a total rethink on how we financially structure the competition going forward I'm not sure that's happened 
maybe they've been preoccupied and understandably so with, with keeping their heads above water um, I think they've done an okay job I, mean, I know the furlough has been a huge help to the clubs uh, a worryingly big help almost I'd say um, and if the furlough hadn't happened I'm not sure where we would have been um, so that, that's been a big help and the broadcast monies have obviously come through consistently for the for the clubs and no doubt that's been a, a tremendous financial assistance to them I, I think they probably handled it Steve as well as they could um, mm. they weren't under the time pressures I think of the Premier League you needed to crown Liverpool champions <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they've, they've they've had a bit of breathing space they've had a bit of breathing space of course they've had some stuff it's not been without problems Catalan Dragons are in a different jurisdiction Hello. Uh, is an issue. Toronto Wolfpack is an issue. No, it's fine. You're still there, so we'll just keep we'll just keep talking. The the the, the disputes between the clubs and the players. I don't know if you call them disputes, but the the uh, uh, drawn out negotiations. Um, what have you made of that? Obviously, that's not an issue in Australia because everything's done centrally, and the governing body has so much more power in Australia than here, where every single club had to negotiate individually uh, with their own players. And, and, and they're hoping that everyone's back to uh, training next week. Um, could that, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is there, is there, a, is there a case for more central authority uh, um, so that these situations are streamlined a little bit? Yeah, I think there absolutely is. It's a... Uh... I think it's been a, a problem for a long time in the game, Steve. I'll, I'll go back to um, some of these details. Just just gloss over a couple of the details of the story I'm going to tell. But it was, I think, the game was trying to decide on, on what ball they were going to go with, and they wanted to sign a, a deal with a, a ball manufacturer to bring in some revenue, pitch it that all all twelve clubs, if it was twelve at the time, I'm going back about twenty years, would play with the same ball. And there was a loose agreement put in place. But then Wigan went and did a separate deal with Puma, and I think Bradford did a separate deal with Biter uh, for their own balls. You know, so you lose the power of everybody in the competition playing with the one ball and, and the, the commercial pull that that can that can bring. I, I think that's an indication. That's a, a story to highlight the problem that we have had. It's that clubs tend to do their own thing, and we haven't had a central body strong enough to bring them all in together to run the game centrally which would be more streamlined it should be cheaper it should be more effective um, Australia is, it hasn't been without those problems you've, you've seen somebody come in and I think by force of, of character has driven through a lot of changes that a consensus type of leadership wouldn't have got through mm-hmm. um, if that's not a, a, a contradiction in terms uh, I think Todd Greenberg would have been looking for, for buy-in from all the clubs before he made a decision. Volandi seems to have come in and said, Look, this is the way to go. You want me to walk? I'll walk. But if I don't walk, it's going this way. Yeah, yeah. Get on board. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the fact... Like Steve, I don't know, but it seems to me he's got... Yeah, but, and, but the fact that Super League is actually just the clubs. I mean, that's what Super League is, is just the clubs. And, and the RFL say they're just there to serve their member clubs. You wonder who's actually putting the game first, you know, because sometimes the interests of the game are not the interests of the clubs. Um, the other question, um, Brian, very interested to hear your thoughts. 
um, on um, on Toronto. Uh, people who haven't been following it, um, Toronto have players in the country um, who have been here too long uh, uh, because of COVID nineteen, because of lockdown, uh, and there are some concerns that they won't be able to ply their trade in this country because. And 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 uh, they may have to leave, may have to go back to Australia, and then it's a case of well, you know, uh, do Toronto try and get in other English players when they're a Canadian club? It's like you know, uh, it, it's it's a bit of a mess. Um, I, there's a, a couple of different viewpoints on this. I guess I've I've seen people say this has been bubbling away for ages. It's all Toronto's fault, and I've seen other people say well, it's 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 Super League and the RFL's fault because they should have dealt with the uh, the relevant authorities. Um, better um what, what are your thoughts uh, uh, could i just jump back to, to the point you, you you finished on when you said about the interest of the game and who's going to be monitoring the interest of the game and it's a really important point and i, and I think you'd compliment ralph rimmer and, and both publicly and privately i've i've heard enough from ralph and about ralph's approach to this to, to convince me that he has got the interest of the game as a whole at heart in what he does. He is not bowing down to the Super League clubs as a separate body. So if the Super League clubs want something because it suits them, Ralph Rimmer is assessing that in the context of what is very what is the very best for the game. And there's I don't think there's any sort of conflict in Ralph Rimmer's head. He's doing what he believes is best for the game. And I think it's an important point uh, to, to make during, during all of this. Ralph has had the interest of the game first and foremost uh, in front of what he has done uh, and not the Super League clubs and previously there might have been a, a confusion as to what people were doing are they bound to the pressure of the 12 Super League clubs uh, no Ralph's not bound to the pressure of the 12 Super League clubs when I, when I said clubs Brian I meant all the clubs the greater good of the game when, when I meant when I said clubs I definitely didn't mean Super League clubs no, no, I understand yeah, your yeah, point yeah yeah so no no well, sorry well sorry yeah all, all the clubs yeah yeah, yeah. But uh, well, he's he's taking everybody's opinion, and he's he's looking at this. He's taking a holistic approach to this. It's, in the past, there may have been a, 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 an imbalance of, of pressure applied by the Super League clubs because they they have the money essentially, and they have the loudest voice, and that was all being filtered into the RFL, and they would have to make a decision. I think with the separation, Ralph is now making a decision. Without heavily, being heavily influenced by the Super League clubs, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. And so, um, Toronto. Well, how do you read the situation there? Uh, to, to, to address your, to address your. To, well, I think you've got to go back to the origins of this, Steve, to to address uh, the, the current situation. On, on what terms were they allowed into the competition? What, what was the understanding that they would? What part would they play in the development plan? Or, or was it done on a almost a nod and a week we'll get you in no problem yeah just just apply there we'll see how it goes well you're, you're going to have untold problems if that was the the extent of the rules or the agreement that you put in place for toronto to come in i, I object to toronto not getting a share of the television revenues however if you turn around to and say to me that part of the agreement for them to be accepted in was that they would relinquish their share of the television revenues. Well, then, I can't defend Toronto them putting their hand out. Hmm. And these are the questions that are being asked. What were the terms of Toronto's admittance to the competition? Was it come in, get to Super League, and we will then reassess? 
Well, if that was the case, then I would put a strong case forward that they shouldn't get television money. The visa issue, that, let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. They're a club, a Canadian club based in the UK. They're not based in Canada. They're not. They're, the weather is not the issue. They're not based in Canada for financial reasons. I understand that. It's cheaper for them to keep those players that are from England over here mm-hmm. in, in England live here train here and fly over to Canada to play games but they're, they're certainly not a Canadian based club and I mean it's look, look it's, it's, it, you'd almost put an argument together to say it's a stretch to call them a Canadian club they're based in the UK they live in the UK they train in the UK they fly to Canada to play their games you know the season's over they come back they, they, they come back to their houses here now listen it, maybe it's a new way of doing things. Maybe you could you could base a team in Poland and, and fly them, you know, to the UK or call them a Polish team, but base them in the UK. But what are are they a Canadian club only in name? Well, the the, the I mean the administration is based there, right? The administ the administration is based there, and the players live here, so they have an office there, and they have a commercial arm, and they. Yeah, I think they're registered as a company in Canada, and the players spend a lot of time here. And the question is, under what arrangements do they come in and out of this country, and under what arrangements do they come in and out of Canada? You know. That's an important point. They don't. They don't spend a lot of time here. They're they're based here. Hmm. They're, 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 you know, that's like saying I spend a lot of time in England. I'm based in England. Now I travel. 24 times a year to Ireland for work for Sky but but I'm based in England I live in England yeah but you can come in you can yeah. you can legally come in and out you can legally come in and out obviously they can't because Darcy Lussett got sent home last year so are they actually based anywhere are those players legally based anywhere sorry well, well, well this is again Again, you can go back and look at the Celtic Crusaders and the issues they had with visas, and, and that's still something. That's the festering wound for some players. And you know, that was that was glossed over. Some of the players were brought in on student visas, were in the country playing professional rugby league on student visas. Mm. Mm. Now, did Darcy Lussick have the appropriate visa to be staying in this country? I mean, they're not, they're not complex questions. They may mm. sound complex, but if, if Darcy Lussick is playing for a Canadian club, he should be living in Canada and travelling to play games over in the UK. That would make sense. Mm. And then he'd have no visa issues. He'd be in Canada as a Canadian professional rugby player. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He's, he's a, a Canadian, working for a Canadian company, we were led to believe, who are registered in Canada and he's living full-time in the UK. Mm. Well, you understand how that's going to create a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Can I? I understand why they're based in you. Hmm. I, I, t- I totally get that. I get why it's it, why they why it makes more financial sense to be based in the UK. I, t- I absolutely understand that. But you're going to have complications if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask you one more question, and then uh, then I'll I've got three more things I want to ask you. I remember the day New York had a launch up in um, Liverpool. Um, I actually went to see Morris Lindsay for my book, which is about another year where players were in a country uh, under uh, legally dubious circumstances. Paris Saint-Germain, those guys were uh, pulled up at customs every time they uh, went had an away game. 
Um, and and I remember after that launch in, um, um, in in Liverpool, you said none of this will happen. None of the things that were announced today will happen. Um, I just wondered, like, yeah. since then, do you know any more about? So they uh, swim to New York, towing it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go south of the border a bit um, from from Toronto to New York. It's, that's a nice. It's a, it's about forty five minutes on a plane. Um, why why are you so confident that none of that? Why were you confident even before COVID nineteen, before lockdown, that none of that would happen? Well, what what I, what I will say, and you make a make a good point about Paris and, and the visas. I, I know a story of, of of a Celtic Crusaders player that was told he was going to make his first appearance the following week or two weeks time, I should say, with two weeks. And they said, how can you be so certain I'll be ready or I'll be picked in two weeks' time? They said, because it's an away game and we can't fly our players over. I mean, they knew. They knew they had massive visa issues. I think it was to France. But you'll be playing against Catalan in three weeks' time. Jeez, that's good playing. <laughs> player X, Y, and Z to France because they have, they're not a problem. So that, that, that's, that's the level of professionalism we're dealing with at times. New, New York City, I'll say from the start, I said on air when it was suggested to me that a team would be in Toronto I said this is pie in the sky I said this is never going to happen this is about the Toronto Wolfpack so I should declare that I got that wrong and I got it badly wrong because there's now a Super League club called Toronto and have, that have played you know, three seasons of home and away games so I, I got that badly wrong I was incredibly sceptical that somebody would put a team in Toronto and be able to finance it Having said that, I remain sceptical that, that, that there's another David Argyle. What I didn't foresee was a David Argyle appearing. Now, I understand it's a country full of millionaires, billionaires, and, and we're heading towards trillionaires, uh, or, or a landmass full of those. So somebody could say, well, we can, we can, there's a lot more of those hanging on the tree. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. So if there's another David Argyle, Toronto can, or New York can, of course, get off the ground. But again, I haven't heard or seen anything to suggest that there is one. I listened to a long podcast with, I don't know if the guy's a, um, a friend of yours, uh, it was the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, and they did a, a lengthy interview with Ricky Wilby. Yeah. My first question, and almost my only question to Ricky, would be show me the money. Hmm. And, and, and after that, sure, you could have a development plan and you could put on. Uh, combines in Jamaica and you can travel to Colorado to try and get college athletes that, that have, have been cut from American football teams I get all that that's that's almost the easy stuff and printing jerseys and, and, and designing graphics I get all that you know that's that's not beyond the wit of man but trying to get somebody that spent approximately 12 million like, like David Argyle has to put together a side that that is challenging at the wrong end of the Super League table, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm. I question whether or not that money is behind New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how should it how should it work, do you think? Like like obviously Toronto are in the comp because they wanted to be <laughs> and people here don't you know, the game here doesn't have a lot of money. So someone with some money came along and said, Let us into your competition and and we'll do X, Y, and Z for rugby league if you do and they went great because no one else has any money and no one else is knocking our door down, so great. Um, and obviously, Ottawa is a bit different. Ottawa is a transferred licence, but again, it's, it's similar. And New York is supposed to be similar as well. So if it shouldn't work like that, then how should it work? 
I would suggest, I would agree with everything you've said there. And if somebody like David Argyle comes along and he presents himself to the RFL, introduced by, by Eric Perez, and he says, I want to put a team in, in, in Toronto. And they can see that there is the potential to put a plan together to put a team in there, grow a team in there, and perhaps expand in that market. Then David Argyle should be fawned over until the day he dies, mm. and everything should be done to accommodate them. Mm. Once you agree that uh, part of a plan and you welcome them in, and somebody's going to going to invest money in it, you've got to give them the distribution rights. You've got to make you've got to make it happen. You've got to exempt them from relegation. In my opinion, if it's an important strategic market for you, mm. it's like the Catalan Dragons. I have no problem with the Catalan Dragons being exempt from relegation. If you if you deem it an important market, you want to keep a team there. I mean. The more I think, the stronger the case is for licensing into the sport that we have and the strength of the clubs and the lack of money that we have. But I, I don't see that a man should be, you know, be willing to spend 12 million in the game, like David Argyle has, has spent, and to be treated, it's almost with contempt at times mm. by the. I, I better be careful who I attribute the contempt to because it's unfair to pigeonhole everybody in that because I know a lot of people are excited about it but there's enough significant people and, and other organisations as in clubs or individuals that are contemptuous I think in their behaviour towards the Toronto Wolfpack they're almost dismissive of them mm-hmm. now if David Argyle packs up and goes home and says I've spent enough I would not be surprised mm. Mm. when he was brought in I don't know whether it's just him knocking on the door and they went, hey, we never thought about this. A team in Toronto, and you want to spend the money on it, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's a great business model. Mm. So, so what? how should 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 the RFL lay out, you know, uh, an ideal uh, scenario for North America and then try to get find people who can help them fulfil it? Is that is that the way it should be done? Well, you would think that, that would be a starting point. Mm. Uh, and if in, if in that plan you come to the realisation that there is no market for rugby league in, in North America, well then you've got a lot of answers straight away, haven't you? Mm. Or if in that plan you say, I think we could develop this market, there's potential, but we've got no money. We've got no money to go into that market. Mm. We've got too many, we've got finite playing resources and finite finance, finite financial resources. So in an ideal situation, we would love to go into that market. Here's how we do it. We start with a team there and we move to a team there. And lo and behold, somebody comes knocking at the door and says, listen, I can plug in one of those gaps. I actually want to put a team in Toronto. So, bingo. But well, that's great. Yeah. So if that goes ahead and we got a team in Toronto, we've got one piece of this jigsaw puzzle fulfilled. I, I don't think that that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I think it was piecemeal. And I think Denver was another example of that. Yeah. What about, I mean, Denver was uh, obviously, that, there's nowhere... The World Cup at the moment, 2025, doesn't have a home, right? We've got a World Cup here next year. In most sports, you know where the next one is when you ho- when you have a World Cup. In, in our sport, we have have absolutely no idea. So, um, ne- but speaking of next year, next year is an incredibly important um, um, period for the sport with regard to TV rights and the renewal or shopping around of um, Sky's current uh, agreement with with um, Super League. Um, do you think that the uh, the goalposts have shifted during this period, the lockdown period, with regard to that? Do you think do you think uh, your employers are now in the 
in the box seat now because they've supported the game through a tough period and um, and and like the, like Channel Nine, I guess, and Fox, you know, they use this period to you know exert some um, pressure and to get a good result for themselves. Is that is that likely to happen, Brian? Do you think you think you'll be sitting in that uh, in that chair for uh, quite a few more years yet? Well, last question for first. I hope I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy what I do immensely. Uh, it's not without frustrations at times, but it's like any role. But, but I, I do recognise the, the privileged position I'm in. I, I say, on the whole, I enjoy my work, and I, and I do hope I'm doing it for a long time. Um, I'll, I'll answer this from a personal perspective because I, I'd be wading into dangerous territory trying to speak up behind half the sky. I'd be mm. qualified to do that. Um, mm. No one sure would I ever be, be asked to do that when it comes to the broadcast deal. Um, I, I don't know that this position has made Sky any stronger. I think it's probably generally accepted they have been very good to the game throughout this period. Um, mm. And when the clubs had concerns about whether or not they received their dividends or their, 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 broadcast, um, their broadcast money, I think it's fair to say Sky delivered them money. Um, there's of course uh, there's going to be adjustments next year but that's understood by all parties um, and I think contractually I don't think there was any 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 fast moves by anybody it was you know it was done I think amicably and, and sensibly and I think they've spoken about the, the strength of relationship and I know it is a pretty strong relationship at the company and these things can change I get that it's, it's a commercial decision to, to carry Super League on Sky Sports channels but I think it's a long standing Sport in the company and uh, and well thought of and it, and I think it it has consistently delivered appropriate numbers, hence hence the extension of the contract. It's it's maybe in year twenty eight now. I think of, of mm. rugby league being on uh, back then. Uh, it might have been was a champion sports at Sky B um, where when Neville Smith was involved. So it's a long standing relationship, and I think you know they've, they've, both parties have, have brought themselves through this. This, this tumultuous time uh, well uh, they'll, they'll come out pretty healthy at the end of it now whether or not that affects a, a long term broadcast deal I have no idea Steve I, I really don't I don't know where they're up to in that I don't know if they press pause uh, they being Super League and, and the appropriate people at Sky uh, press pause and then let everybody sort out their, their house at the moment and then said we'll pick it up again I, no doubt it would have been an important year in negotiating the broadcast as it rolls into the final year of the contract in 2021. But uh, whether or not that's been used as part of uh, whether or not that's been factored into discussions now, I, I have no idea. I, I know that people have mentioned about extensions of contracts, or now is a great time to, to roll in a longer term deal like we saw in Australia. I, I have no idea. Brian, I could have. Uh, I, I, we could talk all day, but I really appreciate your the half hour you've given us, and uh, I hope we get to see that beard on air in a couple of weeks. Don't bow to any pressure to uh, get rid of it. Um, uh, and um, so, yeah, th- thanks very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it, and I think we're all excited that that, uh, that the footy's back, that ru- rugby league's back in this country in a couple of weeks. Th- thanks very much, Brian. Yeah. When's your book out? Um, it is, I've turned it in, um, it's not, t- I mean, I'm continuing to work on it, uh, um, so uh, we, we don't know, but, you know, maybe maybe Father's Day next year in Australia is one, one suggestion, um, the October 4 ne- next year, October 4, 
is the is the actual 25th anniversary of Super League getting the go-ahead, and that's the day the book starts. Uh, so, sometime in the next in the next 12 months, I hope, mate. Yeah, you got any anecdotes for me about '97? Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Brian. And um, don't forget, patreon.com forward slash Fever. Brian is excluded from that because he's already giving um, Patreon money to rugby league long reads. So, uh, but uh, I want to thank everyone for joining in and, uh, and watching and listening. Um, if you had problem with the sound, I'll continue to work on it. It will improve uh, um, uh, week on week. Um, so follow us on uh, Twitter which is uh, at WLF underscore podcast. Follow us on Facebook. That's forward slash WLF uh, podcast. And as I said, uh, support, if you like the show, even if you hate it, uh, support us anyway. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash uh, white live fever. Talk to you next week. Bye.